everybody. Welcome to another episode of Trash Cinema. Hey, we usually are done by this time. We usually stop in October. You know what? We're on a roll here. We finished up our Nightmare on Elm Street series. Now we're going to do the Friday the 13th series, breaking up over two parts. So this one will be episode or uh, the film, first one through the fifth one, and then the next one will be six through Jason X. Um, I'm your host, Michael. Kersey's back again. What's up, Kersey? Hey, what's going on? I gotta think of something else to say besides what's up. I don't. I can't think of any other. Every single podcast I've ever done, I seem to do this, and I don't know why. I don't care about you. I would. What's going on with your life? Ugh, I'm so self-absorbed. Well, yeah. Everyone's everyone's got their thing. That's that's just your thing. My favorite is uh, there's a podcast called How Did This Get Made, where Jason Manzukas literally comes out every single time and goes, "What's up, jerks?" <laughs> and they love him for it. <laughs> All right. Um, so. This is a series, I think, that has aged terribly because, uh, A, um, the slasher film, without it having tons of special effects, it, it doesn't, it just seems so generic at times. And uh, also the fact that it was ripped off over and over and over. I'm sure at the time this seemed fresh, but to you and I, we were not of this generation. We're the ones who caught it later on cable and video. So it seemed it, kind it of definitely. I was, I was saying, it definitely has a Matrix effect where... It's been ripped off so many times that now when you watch the original, you kind of just think it's boring or it's or it's cliche, even though it kind of made the cliche. Yeah. Uh, the first one, there is some standout special effects moments, even though now that I understand special effects, they're clearly obvious in how they did it. Um, but at the time, Tom Savini was doing stuff that nobody else was doing. Yeah, he uh, probably most notable for the, Don- or the um, zombie George A. Romero series. I wonder why he stopped doing special effects. It seems like a lot of the physical guys, they kind of stopped once CGI took over. But if you look, there's still people out there getting jobs. Look, B is still going strong with The Walking Dead and other movies they've done with physical effects. Look at Tusk. That was a hell of a special effects job. Yet, it seems that like most of the guys... That was absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I love that movie. That's Kevin Smith's best, I think. But it's truly horrifying. Yeah, I agree. I, I, a lot of people hated that movie. I actually thought it was somewhat of a return to form. Yeah, it's, uh, we should discuss like that in Red State on a future episode. Because they're not trashy, but they feel like driving movies. Definitely. I especially love Red State, so I would love to talk about that. All right, so that'll be a future episode. So this one, um, the first movie, I think, I think now that you know, Scream made a point of going, hey, the killer in the first movie is not Jason. You know, I think people know that now, but I think for a while there, people forgot that he wasn't part of the first movie. That it wasn't until the second one that he took over. Well, technically, he was in the first movie, just at the end. Well, that's true. And uh, it has more of a Ten Little Indians who goes there kind of effect, where they don't show the killer. Whereas after this, they make sure you know who Jason is. He's like their mascot for the rest of the series. Yeah, they kind of make him the prominent figure. And the same way that Freddy is most synonymous with with, Friday, with, uh, with Nightmare on Elm Street. They're trying to make like, their own mascot serial killer. Yeah, do you think that started with uh, Halloween? Uh, I don't know. A lot of people seem to think so. I, I don't. Uh, I don't really know how this, if the slasher genre is really that popular up until that point. I know that Psycho is kind of a slasher, and uh, so is um, Christmas. God, what is that movie? Yeah, yeah, Black Christmas definitely. And then what's that one? It's another old one where it's the guy who the, the voyeur movie where he would like film people with a camera with a knife at the end of it. Oh shit! I don't know. What is that? I don't know. I don't know this. Movie. Or maybe I do, and I just don't remember. Oh really? Oh, I I gotta I gotta try to find it for you. It's it's pretty weird. Okay, um, but no, I feel like this is the Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth are that era where they were deliberately trying to have a mascot, a very specific look. You know, you knew his name. Oh well, there's Leatherface. Fuck, it's Leatherface. Leatherface is probably the oh, first yeah, of those yeah, mascot yeah. killers where they had a very specific designed look. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even know if Toby Hooper was trying to make a mascot out of the first one. It just seems more like a passion project more than anything. I mean, the sequel itself is so so much of a departure. I don't even know if he was... It seems like he was trying to satirize his original idea. You know, someone was telling me that Gremlins 2 was an insult to the first movie, and I was like, I don't see it in that way whatsoever, but I also understand that Joe Dante was trying to destroy the franchise. He didn't want them to keep making Gremlins movies or, you know, offering him more money to do them, so he deliberately sabotaged it by making an insane comedy that references itself. And maybe that's what Tony yeah, Hooper was trying to do with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. 
That's how I feel about it. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, this is a series that I created and I will destroy it. I don't want anyone to ruin my vision other than me kind of thing. Sadly, that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. Did Gremlins make more movies? I I only remember the first two. No, there's there's only two. It's Critters that really started to have some longevity and Ghoulies, which there's four of as well. Yeah. Uh, But Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Halloween, and Friday the 13th, were the three pivotal series during this period of time where it just seemed like every single year there was a new entry, not really taking the time to care for the franchise. Except maybe Halloween, there was that gap after part three when everybody was pissed off that had no Michael Myers. I think three has been rediscovered as being a quality film, just so wildly different than the second movie. Yeah, I agree. It's one of those that I was definitely a fan of the first two, especially the second one. And I, uh, I remember watching the third one uh, probably around 10th grade. And I got to the, the end of the movie, and I was like, there's seriously no Michael Myers? This movie's bullshit. And then <laughs> a couple years later, a couple years later, I was like, you know what? That's actually a really good movie. Yeah, it's a strange I was just kind of thinking about it offhandedly. If I had known there was going to be so many damn Halloween iterations, I think they, I would have rather they've done just, you know, Halloween-oriented stories every single entry. Yeah, you know what probably did it? I think I watched H2O, and then I thought about Halloween 3, and I was like, that's actually not bad. Yeah. Maybe they should have went that direction. Now, we can dive into that franchise later, but right now, Friday the 13th is one that never really changed its formula. Even when you started diving off into, oh, Jason's dead, it, it, cha- you know, it just kind of was the same movie. Only the first one stands out as kind of a different formula. Yes, there's the kills. There's the people who are sleeping around. They get you know what they deserve. But it hasn't fit uh, okay, I, the patterns of the rest of them. I think we're doing. I think we're doing a disservice if we don't just very quickly acknowledge Kevin Bacon's boner uh, <laughs> when they were doing the diving off the dock. Do you not remember that? Nope. Okay, go back and watch it and freeze frame because it's it's a hilarious shot. I don't know if it was on purpose, but it's fantastic. Where it has his erection uh, in the foreground and then someone's face in the background right next to it. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that he won't acknowledge this film, even after all these years. Look, you had Animal House before this, so it's not like it's your first movie. Um, it's also like mm-hmm. not the end of your career. I mean, you did other horror films. It's not like you're ashamed of the genre. Um, and you had plenty of success afterwards. I don't know why he never discusses it. I don't know. And it's not, it's not even that bad. I mean, by today's standards, it's pretty boring, but it's yeah. not bad. No, it's... Um, it's it's pretty streamlined. It's not crazy like Sleepaway Camp. It's not as like... Um, bonkers as the burning. Uh, I just—it seems like a studio movie, even though it was done on the cheap. It, it's professionally done. It's it's well done. Um, but I find some of the stuff in the franchise really irritating. And it starts here, guys. What are you doing? This isn't funny. What are you, what are you doing? You know, and then hack 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 hack. You're like, oh, and they do it with every single entry. It seems. Yeah, at least that that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about Nightmare on Elm Street is that the concept is that you can't escape. Uh, sleeping, which is where he's the strongest. Yeah. So it may, that kind of makes sense, and I, I like that, that concept. And they keep, kept adding new details to it to, keep, to try to keep it fresh throughout its its lifespan. Yeah, it's just, uh, it this one like, just kind of kept the same formula. Yeah, it's it's over and over. It's like not not one person in all ten movies just goes, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm getting in my car. I'm going. I'm not going to stick around and, and wonder about this. Go searching for. You know, I'm just going to go. Yeah, I'm just going to spend five minutes wandering around this dark area, you know, like, Johnny, and then get killed. It's in, the same In your thing. underwear. I've, I think part two, they yeah. literally have her in her underwear wandering around going, hello? Who's there? Like, Put on some pants! <laughs> Stupid! <laughs> yeah. Um, the second one, well, okay, so let's, well, let's finish up with the, with the first one. So, the killer is not Jason, it is uh, Jason's mom. And I actually really like that idea, too, that she's sort of demented from... Uh, the events of what happened to her child. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, and then she takes on the persona of her son at times, so she's fighting with it in her own head. Uh, and, and she gives a hell of a performance. Yeah, that, that was another thing. It was sort of weird to see someone with that level of talent in something as kind of cheesy as this, especially with that five-minute slow-mo of her head getting cut off. I hate that kind of slow-mo, the post-production slow-mo, because if you watch certain movies, you can tell if it was planned ahead of time. John Woo movies, clearly they undercrank it, or is it overcrank? I think it's overcrank it um, during production, so it's clear as, you know, uh, and then if you do it afterwards, it's really hard. It makes it really, really blurry, and that drives me insane when I see slow-mo like that. It's funny that you said that, because that we had this exact same conversation and, and mentioned John Woo uh, 
in the Friday and the Nightmare on Elm Street. Did we? I, I hate. Yeah. When I, I hate when I repeat myself. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but he, the problem with a lot of these movies is the, um, the the protagonists are so dull and bland. And I don't think it's till about three or four where it gets a little bit better. Like you, you're almost rooting for Jason. That's kind of like the thing about it is that you almost see him as the anti-hero and he's just taking out stupid people. Pretty much. I think the by probably the fourth movie is when they actually started developing a real character, which was Corey Haim, I believe. Uh, Feldman. Feldman, that's it. Uh, yeah, so the first movie, um, it's necessary to understand, especially uh, the rest of the films. The first four are true uh, like quadrilogy. All the stories are very, very interconnected. After that, it gets kind of sporadic. Like It's not really necessary to see any of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, I think five, because five pretty much picks up like I think seven to ten years after the events yeah. of number four. Well, four, and even has Corey yeah. Feldman. Four, five, and six are the trilogy, but I almost feel like five and six can just sit on their own. Yeah, probably. Uh, the second movie, of course, it's we not, introduce yeah. the savage Jason Voorhees. He's, he's grown up. He's a massive person, um, and, and he's wearing the very, very disturbing bag on the head with just an eye hole, which is way more. Disturbing I was going to say the hockey. That mask. is my favorite <laughs> outfit. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. It's it's so it's so weird because it, it really fits the country bumpkin sort of look he has with just like the jeans and the the flannel shirt. It's just it just really works for for his look. And he's fast. Yeah. I don't know why they decided to slow him down in part three, but in the second one he moves. He's pretty agile. I mean, he had to survive in the woods. Uh, so you know he's got the skills. They kind of bring this up in the remake more. Is that if he's going to live out there, he has to know how to do archery. He knows how to do all these like survival stuff. Whereas the second movie, they only kind of touch upon it a little bit. But I wonder if the reason they got rid of the bag on the head, um, maybe because of the town they dreaded sundown, because he kind of has a similar outfit. Hmm. Have you seen that movie? Uh, no, I don't think so. A butcher knife. Uh, attached to the end of a trombone and he constantly just extends it to stab it over and over and over and over. That movie is <laughs> fucked up. And it's it's pretty good. Both of them. The remake is good too. That's interesting. I'll have to watch that. So the second movie, it, it continues the trend of I don't give a fuck about these people. Just hurry up and kill them already. Yeah, I believe... At the, what's the, the story on that one is that they're trying to reopen... Crystal Lake. Yeah, and they haven't really told anybody about it yet, you know, and it's not until they get there. I just want to be that one guy. It's like, you could have told me this before I showed up, because there's no way I would have, you know, come on. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a horrifying story. Yeah, pretty much. I don't, I don't know. I'm probably one of the one of the teenagers that would get killed, because I'm usually not spooked by, oh, the last tenant died here. And I'm like, well, they're probably not going to show up again, because who returns to a crime scene, am I right? <laughs> well, I've actually, hmm. There's a horrifying story uh, with uh, my great aunt, who I think great aunt, um, where she had moved into uh, an apartment that was apparently a stash house, and the stash was still there. And when the guy got out of jail, uh, he came to the house and the shit out of all of them and took the drugs. Oh, yeah. On. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I sometimes when I'm looking for apartment, uh, this was uh, a few years ago, and I was looking for apartments. I didn't have any money. I was looking at places that have had like a, a fatal stabbing. And I was like, that, "That's that's got to be lower rent there, right?" <laughs> that's your standard. It's like, look, I need to save some money. Have anybody been killed here recently? Good. Hey, I still see the yeah, chalk exactly. outline. Um, can I get even more of a discount? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this I, I, I do like some stuff in the second movie. It's a lot faster. Steve Miner is a better director, I believe, than Sean Cunningham. Um, Sean, uh, Sean Cunningham would don't want you know do like Deep Star Six, and he did uh, the New Kids and stuff like that. But he wasn't really known as a good director. Whereas Steve Miner kind of escalated quickly. He went to do uh, House and Warlock, and for some reason did comedies for a while, like Forever Young and My Dad the Hero. But then he came back with Halloween H two O and uh, Lake Placid. Oh, uh, I don't I don't know if that's really. That's not a really impressive resume. No, but for someone coming honest. off of Friday the 13th, a series that nobody had any respect for. Um, I love House. I think it's a great movie, and Warlock is one of those great uh, franchises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House, House is good, but the other ones that I don't really... Especially H2O. That was that was the one that made me rethink my life about a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he, he, did, he did two and three, and I think he did a very good job. He, he took what little money they had. At least the second and third one have a bigger budget, so the special effects. Um, you know, there's there's more the cast members, there's more kills. You know, uh, it's not as good as what Tom Savini had done in the first movie, but I think it's adequate. It was, it was okay. Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting about two and three especially, is that Jason Voorhees acts very differently than in the other ones. Because in the other ones, he's more like the slow, daunting zombie killer. But in, in this one, he's in the second and third one, he's very much uh, revenge killing. There's a part in number three where he actually takes off his mask because he wants the person he's about to kill to know it was him. Yeah, it's, it's messed up. Yes. He just does that like kind of... Um, you know, it's funny is I saw the movies completely out of order. I used to watch this TV show called USA Up All Night. Um, this is back when cable really didn't have like identities where they were trying to get to the mainstream audience. This is when they're like, we have very little money, we have a, a catalog of stuff to go through, and USA Up All Night would always do like trauma films and these low budget direct to video kind of stuff, and then they would do like the Jason. And I saw part seven first, and that would really capture my imagination, but I was like, oh my god, they're showing Jason's face. In my mind, they had never shown it before, but uh, they don't show it in two, correct? I don't remember. I don't think they did. I, I, I believe he just wears the back on the head, and of course he gets the one major injury, the, the blade through the shoulder. This guy heals like nobody's business. I have no idea how it is that your your shoulder is almost completely separated from the rest of your body, and then like part three, he's like, we're good, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, keeping to the zombie theme, but like it, in the third one, it kind of makes sense, the zombie part, but like this one... They really played him as being human. Like, his skin looks normal. I think he had hairy arms, too. Like, he, he seems just like a normal dude. No, they do show it at the very end when he bursts through the window, which I think is a dream sequence, but you see that long, scraggly hair coming off his head, and it's... Ugh. I don't remember uh, Jason having hair. The second one is the one that bored me so much. I, I kind of stopped watching after a while. <laughs> kind of having uh, they show it sporadically. I know they did it in Jason Goes to Hell. They show he has like these thin wisps of hair coming off his nasty head. And in uh, Freddy vs. Jason, he had some. Oh, okay. Uh, the third one, yeah, I think, is like the best of the... I don't know, four is better. But I kind of like the, the way that they up the budget. They, it's much faster moving. I love the disco theme at the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah, there's some. It's it's a little weird, especially the 3D. When you don't have 3D glasses, it's really annoying because it's not really anything interesting that's happening. It's just like watching a yo-yo in front of the screen. It it is strange that they're constantly like ramming stuff in your face. Trying to watch Jaws 3 is horrifying because the effects are so terrible. God, that is okay. The the scene where Jaws uh, breaks through the glass is probably the best and worst 3d effect i've ever seen in my life best because it's absolutely hysterical yeah you know, just like how still it was how stiff like it wasn't really swimming it just looked like it was floating yeah it's like someone had a little stick and just, just rammed it through <laughs> yeah and it just stops as soon as it hits the glass it's it's terrible yeah, yeah so the 3d effects during this era are just terrible i i don't think i've ever seen a movie from this era in 3d i maybe at the time it was really cool but when they put it on video it looks so so damn dumb well, and the other thing is that Friday the 13th is not a movie that is really good for 3D because I remember when 3D was sort of coming back uh, when I was younger. So I saw quite a few 3D movies in the theater with the, the red and blue lenses. And the thing that I remember most is that it looked terrible and you couldn't see anything that was dark. And Friday, and Friday the 13th movie is 50, you know, like 90% at night. So it probably was horrible. Yeah, I saw, and the drive-in's probably the same effect. I went and saw Jason Goes to Hell at the drive-in, and I kept going, I, uh, is the movie still playing? I can't tell what the hell's going on. It's so dark. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think the kills in this are pretty good. The characters are a little bit better. The acting's better. Um, but I really like the final sequence in the barn. It's, it's actually kind of scary, which they couldn't achieve with the second movie. It's more about the kill thrills. Which is kind of fucked up if you think yeah. about it. That people are like excited to watch people get killed. The third one really brings out uh, a lot of really like uncomfortable, scary stuff. Yeah, I think that for as cheesy as it is, uh, and it was obviously meant for the 3D effect, but um, that part when he gets hit in the head with an axe and then he uh, immediately snaps back up into the camera is actually pretty creepy. Oh, yeah, it's a messed up moment. Um, 
Oh, yeah, of course, this is the one where they introduced the hockey mask. And I have a theory about this, and I think it might, maybe it's just bullshit. But the Road Warrior had come out the year before this film. And the humongous oh, wears the hockey mask. He has the same exact head, and he also has the strings of hairs coming off. He looks like Jason Voorhees somehow survived into the future and, and became humongous. Just walk away. Just spare your eye. <laughs> My favorite is, uh, what, what's, not Toadie, but there's, uh, oh yeah, it is the Toadie. He's like, the eye of Tola, rock and roller. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just think about The Road War, and I'm like, well, a year later, Jason Voorhees all of a sudden gets this hockey mask out of nowhere. By the way, not the first uh, horror movie to use a hockey mask on a villain. There's an Italian, no, a Spanish film called Edge of the Axe, which is a Jason, sorry, a Halloween ripoff, which uh, the killer wears a hockey mask. So there's a, there's a couple things that come before Jason, even though everybody knows it's his. That's part of his identity now. Who's it the... just did it better, I, I guess. It's just one of those things that just kind of hit mainstream in a way that they probably didn't even... Have. Yeah, and they've changed the mask a couple times. I know that over the years they would add little things to it that would change it, but um, I think the mask here is the one with the two stripes. Yeah, I don't particularly like this one. I know it changed a couple times. There's some cooler ones later, especially the one that he wears in uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. I thought that was a really damn cool mask. Yep, like I said, I own the poster. It's badass as hell. What, up, Manhattan? Yeah. I own one movie poster. Um, I used to have tons of them when I was a kid. Um, I, there's this place around the corner that sells these old, uh, rare VHS prom- promo posters, and I found one called Band of the Hand, which is a Michael Mann production that he did right after Miami Vice. Uh, that's the only poster I own. Okay, so what what place is that? Because I love vintage posters. Like I, I lost about 90% of all my posters in, the, in my recent couple times. Um, but I, I used to have, like, Clockwork Orange. I, I had Casablanca. I had all these great ones that I really want to see. Well, uh, there's an Eagle's Lodge um, about a block away from me. And once a month, they have a big flea market inside that building. And there's a guy who comes around, and he has piles of them. And some of these are really, really obscure. And they're five bucks a piece. Oof. I think oh. he has a stepfather, and I want to get that stepfather poster. The original. Stepfather, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that one. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Terry O'Quinn is a sociopath who constantly changes his identity because he's trying to find the perfect family. And when he it doesn't go the way he wants it to, he will kill them and then move to another town, acting like the nicest guy around, trying to be the perfect dad with the perfect family. But everything goes wrong, and he ends up killing them again and again and again. There's three of these movies and a terrible remake. That sounds fantastic, guys. Yeah, the first one is so damn good. The second one's not bad either. Um, by this time, though, they're starting to do the jokey stuff, which always drove me nuts, you know, because of the Freddy effect. Jason never got this effect. He never got the the really the one-liners because he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he's a silent uh, silent villain. Yeah, can't, that's weird. We didn't even mention anything about him, really. Yeah, he's the human fart. He is silent but deadly. That was terrible. I'm ashamed. Uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, All right, so fourth one. Fourth one. This one is The Return of Tom Savini, and the special effects are full tilt boogie. I mean, there are some great... Sh- oh, the twisting of the head? Woo! Uh, yeah, I was... I, the, the one that actually affected me that made me kind of cringe and like, oh, that's so disgusting, is uh, especially the one at the end when his head hits the floor with the with the machete and oh, his face slides yeah. down. And it slowly oh. slides through his head. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like facial expressions... Ugh. The, the, it was it was it was disgusting and it was fantastic. Uh, Crispin Glover's in this one, and he is the best character in the entire franchise because he is clearly in his own movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here here's the thing. Okay, so we're, I, I'm assuming you're talking about the dance scene. Yes, it's it's nuts. It's it's fantastic. So I don't know if you know this, but the original song that they used was Back in Black by ACDC. Ah. But I guess there might have been some problems uh, getting the rights to that music because I think that they had planned to use the music before they got the rights to it. So when they were doing that scene, so if you play it uh, Back in Black to his dancing, it oh. actually is in rhythm. But okay. since they switched it last minute, it looks it looks horrible. <laughs> but still, there's, there's some stuff that he does in there. He's an okay character, but his friend... It, you just can't wait for him to die. His his sleazy little yeah. why is he's watching these old porno films, which nobody would find even remotely hot or interesting or even funny, and yet for some reason for hours just laughing and laughing and laughing, and that's not how normal people act. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, and then 
we got Corey Feldman. Uh, so, it, it, yeah, it was interesting because I, I think that might be the only Friday the 13th with really big-name actors at the time. Well, he wasn't really a big name actor, and neither was Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover hadn't been in Back to the Future yet; he had been in a couple of TV things. And Corey Feldman, I'm, I can't, I don't know if this was before Gremlins or not, but he's only a small part of Gremlins. It was the next year that he blew up with Goonies. Oh, okay. So maybe this helped him then. Yeah, it, it kind of got him in that uh, world. And the director is an action director who had done Miss uh, Missing in Action with Chuck Norris, and that was a big hit. And. Uh, it started this trend of action directors doing horror films, or horror directors getting hired to do action films later. And sadly, Joseph Zito's career just kind of went to shit. He did Red Scorpion, and I think that's about it after that. The one effect that truly disturbs me, besides the sliding through the head, is uh, Crispin Glover. Uh, he's hanging on the doorway. And Jason is just, this is still like when you said he was fast and very savage, and he pushed his, Chris McClever's just body through the door, ripping his uh, uh, crucified hands off of it. And it's just, you think about the, the tearing. I know he's dead already, yeah. but still, gross. Yeah, like, like that uh, same, same effect in uh, Deadpool. Uh, it was just a really quick scene, but he had stabbed somebody's hand uh, into the wall, and then uh, like hit their hand really hard, so it's it uh, got sliced through. Yeah, the uh, the nudity factor is cranked up in this one, which would affect part five. I think they're trying to top it. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna say, yeah, uh, if you thought that was bad, number five. I think everybody is nude in part five except for the main character. It's just like wow, it's just mm. not that I'm having any issues with this, but there is a weird uh, like what I was saying with the Freddy, where people were rooting when he would just say, "Ah." Oh, I'm going to get you, bitch. Um, like, mm. they wanted the people to be sleek and skanky and then get their... It's like a weird subconscious religious judgment thing. Like, oh, you're a sinner and I'm, we're going to pay. Jason is the weapon that's going to bring, you know, justice to your dirty behavior. Yeah, it's the same thing that was explored in uh, Cabin in the Woods. You know, the whole, oh, the, the virgin hero character archetype. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I was always... I always wondered that too, because that was also in Freddy vs. Jason. There's like this weird thing where we have like this huge importance on virginity in horror movies, which I don't understand. Yeah, and, and of course, Scream played with that a little bit too. Uh, but I think it's because of the Friday the 13th movies that the whole trend was set. They, they tease it a little bit in the first Halloween, but it's not like uh, obvious. It just ha- It's like a happenstance. They had sex and then they get killed. But Jason, it was like every single character that was even slightly dirty. Uh, end up getting a horrible death. Well, actually, I just thought about it. That actually does kind of make sense because he did die because camp counselors were having sex and not paying attention. That is true. So maybe he does have like this weird thing about nudity. I don't know. Huh. Uh, there, there's a sub-character in this that helps the main uh, family, and it kind of calls back to one of the previous films because he's there because his sister was killed by Jason, and he wants revenge. And I thought he was a pretty good character. And the first time you see like an adult being proactive instead of reactive. Mm-hmm. But when he's screaming, uh, he's killing me, he's killing me in the basement, there's something, he's so straightforward with it. Some people think it's hilarious, but I find it disturbing. Oh, really? I thought it was funny. Yeah, it's, it's so matter of fact. Well, I guess the funniness is the fact that he is saying it that way. But I'm like, oh, no, ooh, you're, you're just not screaming, you're just saying it. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he goes down hard. Jason really gets his uh, comeuppance. And you, you think the franchise is done. And, you know, they're like, oh, the, the final, what's the, what's the fourth one called? The final chapter? Final chapter, dude. Yeah. Final chapter. And they lied. The next year, <laughs> we got part five. Well, I'm assuming that part four probably did pretty well. I didn't look it up. But, it did. Um, uh, so, if I remember correctly, I don't know why I know shit like this. First one, I think, made 40. The second one dropped a lot. I think it was down in, like, 21 or something like that. The third one um, got a big boost because of the 3D. I think it went up to 32, and then part four made 36. I might be wrong on this. So, you know, part four made a huge chunk of cash, so of course they're not done. These movies were cheap to make. They're making up like $2 million, $3 million a piece. That's a ton of profit. And we're not even counting video, cable, and international. That's just domestic at the theater. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I feel like number five is probably one that didn't even need to be made. No, not really. Five, um, I made the incredibly poor mistake 
Oh, I even think about it now. I don't even know why I did it. So this is when I first was able to rent movies. I wasn't just watching the edited version on television. So I go with a friend and we pick out um, a couple horror films. And we picked out uh, Freddy's Dead and uh, Jason Part 5. Why? I don't know. Maybe he had never seen it. But um, uh, my mother was there. Kind of enjoyed Freddy's Dead. You know, the crazy special effects, the sense of humor. Um, she was okay with that, but then she saw Jason. She's like, oh, no, these are terrible. You can't watch these movies. There's so much nudity. <laughs> I'm not even sure she was bothered by the gore. It was the nudity that was like, oh, boy. No, okay, that's the same thing, because I had this friend who had a very religious mother, but he and I were not were not religious. Um, I don't know what he is now, but uh, I, he and I would love horror movies. Zombies was our thing, and his mom was cool with pretty much any zombie movie. We would be watching Day of the Dead, and we're like 12 years old. doesn't matter. We'll watch anything. And then um, it came to Carrie, and she was not cool with that. That was like the only thing we couldn't watch. Huh. I wonder why. Because the mother was religious, and they were trying to mock her behavior? I'm assuming it was the black magic and and, uh, and so much nudity in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, there was a lot in the beginning. But I wonder if it's just the magic part. Would she have a problem with Hocus Pocus? <laughs> I've always wondered that kind of thing. You know, like, how far is too much magic? Because some people don't even like Harry Potter because oh. it has the black magic. Have I told you I grew up in Indiana? Have I ever told you this? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so a small town in Indiana. And when Harry Potter started taking off, there was a big meeting at the library about removing Harry Potter. That it was satanic and that it shouldn't be allowed in our libraries. That's fucked up. Yeah, I grew up in very liberal Portland, Oregon, so no, I, the, that was not a, that was not an issue. Yeah, uh, the nickname for Huntington is the City of Churches. It's where Dan Quayle's from. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why have I never been back? I think I just answered that for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're, okay, we're at five. So uh, tons of nudity. I think that's something that you're gonna that you'll have to get over right away because it's gonna be in your face. There's, I believe, the scene of the girl in the bathroom. Who just takes off her? Who just takes off her shirt in the mirror for no reason, really? I guess yeah. she's getting dressed, but she's like, "It's go time," and just like takes off her shirt, <laughs> just so in your face. This one has that weird character who, oh, right? This one's the one that takes place at not really a mental hospital, it's like a mental camp or something, some sort of home away from home for kids who are kind of special. I don't, I don't know what it was because in the beginning you figure it's a. They, they, I, the the car on the side of the thing has the insignia that I think says something about you know National Medical Association or something like that. I don't know, but they're dropping off kids to this farm who apparently doesn't really have a license to have uh, people there. Yeah, and it's so not what one the hell specific. Going on? Yeah, it's not like it's a, a prison, but also these kids are wildly different. It's not like they all have the same issues. Like one's a sex addict, one has rage issues, one apparently can't stop eating. Um, and I can't tell what's what was with Reggie. Reggie was just there to. Um, be with his uncle, who was like the kitchen cook or something. Yeah, what was his name? Rambunctious or, or Reggie remember. or was what was it? Reckless. Was it Reckless? Reck, Reck, yes, Reckless. Reckless Reggie. Yeah. Um, the one kid that drives me up the wall, though, and, and he when he dies, I'm almost happy, just so he's not in the movie anymore, is that special kid who's constantly eating the chocolate, and he was like, well, can I oh, help out? Can I do this? He's like a weird version of the guy in part three, who, uh, had, you know, they look kind of alike, and they're both very needy. Um, I kind of like the guy in part three, but I do not like the guy in part five. I can't remember any of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, part three. Is that the one where the guy would constantly be playing jokes because he was like socially awkward? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked him because I kind of felt bad for him. And he he played the character like just sympathetic enough. Um, But yeah, this one is just a no. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of brings the whole movie to a head is because it turns out it's not Jason. Everybody thinks it is. It's a guy who somehow made a perfectly <laughs> legitimate, like, a skull cap and mask, just like Jason. Um, and it turns out it's the father of that, that kid who won't shut up, who gets killed by the guy who's full of rage. And, um, I think a lot of people are really upset that it wasn't Jason, but kind of get Jason. It's just not a good movie. That's the problem. Yeah, well, it doesn't even really matter because you don't even get to see Jason that much in these movies anyway. I mean, so you get to see his ugly face, you know, for like five seconds a movie. It's not it's not really crucial to enjoy a slasher film. No, it's not until six where he becomes the true icon, the multimedia, you know, merchandising uh, icon that he is. And you see much more of him doing the kills. It is kind of kept to him. There's more of him, I think, in part four than any of the other ones. Um, 
but five, it was a weird loophole. Like they could still continue the Jason world without actually having Jason. Yeah, that, I think that might have been the plan from there on out because they even teased the idea that uh, Corey Feldman's character from the fourth movie, who's now grown up, is the new killer. That it's like some kind of weird psychosis that just happens to people. Yeah, and his course, his story continues in part six, um, which I think is the best of the series. I think I said earlier, I said three. That's was probably it. my favorite. No, I, 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 six is clearly the best of the series. Um, we'll get to that in the next episode. But of the first five, which would you choose as your favorite? Uh, definitely four. Yeah, four is the uh, epic showdown. It's, it's got great characters, um, and uh, I think the special effects are the best. Yeah, definitely for the special effects, you should see it. Uh, it's got some pretty interesting characters, uh, probably more interesting characters than the other ones. I don't know. I think Crispin Glover is, is absolutely hysterical. Yeah, there's there's one thing where the girl is constantly looking out the window. Like like four times she stops to look at the window. I'm like, I caught her already. She's going to go through the window. What the hell? <laughs> Move on. Well, I mean, subtlety is not really no. uh, Friday the 13th's deal. No, especially a movie where they're taking a guy and ramming his face into the shower wall until it turns into mush. Right. <laughs> All well, right. Here's the thing I was thinking about. I, well, okay, so I was just watching number five. And I was thinking about this today. I was thinking, is the slasher genre really dead, or is it just dormant? It always seems to find a way back. Well, the slasher genre seems to have, like, two or three rules that still seem to show up in a lot of horror movies. But uh, I would say, of course, the beginning, a lot of people give to Halloween because that's the most successful. But it starts with Black Christmas, in my opinion, and then goes until, I would say, about Dr. Giggles. That was kind of the end. Um, of the true slasher. Yes, there's Jason Goes to Hell, but that's a weird one, and we'll get to that eventually. And then The New Nightmare, which uh, rebuilds the idea. Uh, so I don't count those as part of the slasher genre. Those are almost like meta-weird tangent. Um, so I think it ends with Dr. Giggles, and then it gets rebooted with Scream, and that goes until, uh, I don't know, about 2000, 2001 with Valentine. And that seems like the end of the slasher genre. So it's been a good long time since that genre has been like everywhere. Well, the interesting thing about horror movies is that they actually did pretty well last year. Uh, I think it was the election, uh, Purge the Election Year and Get Out were huge hits. Were those slasher and films? Kind of, I haven't seen either one. They were not slasher, but they were, I was saying they're horror. So I'm wondering if, if horror makes a rebound in a way that people are willing to start investing in again, yeah. then we might see a return of some slasher films. What you've seen, though, with the, the slasher film in the beginning and, and where it was uh, you know, 15 years ago or so is now they have more action in them. And I think that's where the next step is going to go. They're going to the, the fast editing, the elaborate action sequences, um, and, of course, better actors. You know, now we expect... It's, it's funny, a lot of those horror movies from the 80s, you don't really see a lot of those people anymore because they were treated like shit movies. These budgets were like 300000 to a million. But, you know, all of a sudden after Scream, you have to have a cast of mostly TV people or kind of rising stars and uh, better budgets. And, and, and the soundtrack. You had to have like 50 songs that were out there to sell the CD, whereas that wasn't really even a thing in the old horror films. So it's... Something's going to happen with it again. They'll, they'll get nostalgia for it, but it's going to have to change how it's made. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the I think the movie that really killed it uh, probably was House of Wax with Paris Hilton in it. I think that's really when people were like, "Okay, we've gone too far. This is this is done." Yeah, two thousand five with the Black Christmas remake. I know people who like it, but I thought it was complete and absolute shit. I forgot about all the remakes. That's the problem. Is uh, um. After Valentine, they stopped making original slasher movies, and it seemed like everything now was a remake. So every franchise you knew in the 70s and 80s was redone, and most of them are terrible. I could say maybe three or four that have um, decent quality to them. Anything else you want to say about the series before we go? Uh, no, I'll save any, anything else for the, uh, for the next episode. I think this is our longest episode. I don't think we've ever gone over a half hour. We are at 45 minutes, everybody. Um, oh, jeez. I know, right? Impressive. Uh, check us out on Facebook under Video Night. You'll find all our episodes there. And, uh, Kersey, thank you for another great episode. Yeah, thank you very much. I always love doing this. And I'm going to end it with the theme song from Friday the 13th. So disco, it's insane. Bow, 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 bow. If it ever played. Never not awkward.
Hey everybody, welcome to our continuation of the Friday the 13th series discussion. I'm your host Michael, other side is Kersey. Kersey, say hello to the people. Hey, hey what's going on? Choo, 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 choo. Bah, bah, bah. You know that I actually got that wrong. I didn't realize it was kill, 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 ma, 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 ma. I thought it was just weird random sounds. Oh, I, I didn't know that either. Yeah, it, it was. I was watching like a documentary or something about the making of it, and they were discussing. He's like, he's saying, kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. And I was like, oh, this whole time I thought it was just. Yeah, it was just guttural sounds of yeah. a madman. <laughs> um, so we ended the last episode on part five, the fake Jason entry. Uh, so we're going to continue now at part six, my favorite entry in the series. How do you feel about part six? I think it's probably one of the best ones. Probably one of the easiest to watch. It just has excellent pacing. One of the things that I've heard that people have problems with is this is like that Jason or the uh, Freddy Part Four turn, where now Jason is this massive merchandising pop culture icon, and you know you got Alice Cooper coming in for the theme song. They've the budget's been cranked up a bit, and um, it's more pop. Uh, all around, especially in the way that he designed the film. They knew the right beats to hit to make this more of a mainstream film instead of a cult niche slasher kind of thing. Yeah, they kind of stopped giving a fuck about the 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 lore of the character because again, the other five had more to do with, well, he didn't really die. He just sort of like, he just sort of patched himself up and then came back later. And then in the fourth one, when he officially died, they continued the series in the fifth one with somebody else. And it kind of led to believe that that's how the series was going to continue. Because at the end of five, it was um, the uh, the kid that's all grown up is now the new killer. And at number six, they decided, well, fuck all that. Let's make him a zombie. Yeah, you really start to believe that Tommy was going to be the next Jason at the end of part five. But, you know, I think people kind of rejected the idea they were going to continue the series without... Uh, Jason, like a legitimate Jason, like the way they do with Halloween. You know, Halloween 3, they rejected because Michael Myers wasn't there. Even though, in theory, it it could have worked as a horror anthology where it's just something happened on Halloween. Same thing around Jason, yeah. but it's a little bit harder because the confines of um, that particular series is it has to somehow either have to do with uh, Crystal Lake or Jason or something in that vein. Yeah, they had to sort of retcon the ending of uh, the the fifth one because um god well who who played the uh the, the guy now in number six i don't um, we haven't got the cane hotter yet i don't know who played him in six i can look that up but no uh, no i mean i mean the uh the, the guy the the one that's not jason was that emilio estevez because it kind of looks like him oh we're talking about tommy yeah okay so tommy is uh crap he was a knight or return of the living dead uh tom matthews tom matthews oh, okay well, a low-rent Emilio Estevez, if that's possible. Anyway, <laughs> so he's the new Tommy, and they kind of changed it to where he's uh, better now, I guess. Well, he still has this obsession with Jason, but he doesn't seem to have the, the sort of terrifying, paralyzed um, character of the, of the fifth one. He's much more proactive, and in, in this movie, he actually revived Jason by accident by impaling him with a weather vane or, or a, a piece of metal, and then, of course, gets struck by lightning. So it's kind of a Frankenstein uh, zombie kind of thing. And because of that, um, I believe the, truck, the director, uh, Tom McLaughlin, um, he tried to give it more of a gothic horror, like a classic Hammer film kind of look to it. You can yeah, kind of see... with the, the cemetery, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and you, you see certain stuff like when... Uh, Jason's on top of the RV and he's up against the full moon. It just has that kind of old school feel where he understood that now we have this supernatural creature. Let's treat him like he's one of the classic universal horror monsters. And that's actually probably what works best about this is it just feels fun now when you're watching it instead of really slow, really boring and tired and predictable. This one is predictable, but it, it treats it, it treats it as being more fun. This one also has more respect for its fans and the cast of characters. You know, uh, there's no one really stupid in it. Uh, the nudity is scaled back. The gore is scaled back. But still, there's mayhem and there's fun. It's, it feels more like a studio production. Yes, it's a little safer. But at the same time, eh, the polished look is something that was needed for the series. Yeah, it benefits by not annoying you the whole time. And you know, like the, the horror elements are not just in... Oh, isn't it 
you know, we just want these characters to die. Now the characters aren't really that stupid. Um, they're just unaware of like the what Jason is, I guess. Yeah, uh, and I think of course this is a jump in time. Usually, I've seen timelines on the Friday the Thirteenth movies where they show it started like in the late se- or the early seventies, and it's been jumping like five or six years every time. It had to be a Friday the Thirteenth that fell during like the summer or fall. And in order to do that, it had to be this year and this year. So there's jumps in time. So it kind of makes sense in a world that was pre-social media, you know, pre-Wikipedia, where little things like this could happen and disappear in people's minds for the next, you know, like, you know, say you're 14 when it first happened and then you're 20 or whatever. Now you're running a camp. You may forget in that time. And especially with number seven, but I guess we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, number six, definitely one of the best. It actually... Uh, like, like, like I said, yeah, benefits from sort of being a little more studio safe in, for an R-rated movie. Um, it takes a lot of inspiration from other movies, uh, even the Terminator. Like the first thing Jason does is pull out a dude's heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they also so, yeah, have the James um, I, Bond parody, which I, there's there's a fun sense of humor without it becoming parody. But there is a couple of moments where you're like, oh, that's a you know like a little tongue in cheek. Uh, twist on uh, like you know the James Bond thing and and, and the paintball thing where he shoots him like that's going to have any effect whatsoever and the characters are kind of cheeky with each other it just has a, a the best sense of humor of the entire series yeah well, the James Bond thing is it zooms into his eye into Jason's eye after he awakens and um, it, it's him doing that the, the famous James Bond walk turn to the camera and shoot but in this, he uses a machete so it, yeah it's just a lot of fun uh I, I think things drop a little bit for part seven. It's a great idea, and they finally bring in the rubber reality, the super fantastic that we've been seeing in the Freddy movies, uh, bringing it into the Jason world. The only problem is it goes back to making the characters uh, one-dimensional, and most of them are intensely stupid. Well, that, that's not as much of a problem for me as that they're just really boring characters. Yeah, it's, it's as if they had skipped part six, and this is the natural progression from five to seven. Like, that feels like it's in line. Well, no, there actually is a... Because in the, at the end of number six, Jason is uh, you know, dragged to the bottom of the ocean... Or the bottom of the lake. And then um, this girl with psychic powers awakens him because her father also uh, drowned in the same lake years ago. So I guess the idea is it's supposed to be like 20 years from his death. Yeah. Or maybe even more. I wasn't saying in storyline. I just mean in the quality and the way they respected their characters in the audience. I feel like it's they yeah. didn't learn from part six. It's as if they ignored it and gone straight to the five, uh, back from five. Yeah. So the basic premise is that uh, this girl has mind powers for no explainable reason. And it's not really thought about or looked into. But anyway, this girl has powers. She accidentally kills her father um, using her mind powers. And he drowns in the same lake as... Jason, and then years later when she goes back, she again kind of taps into her mind power because she wants to revive her father, but accidentally revives Jason. And just saying that, I just realized just how stupid that is. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like the special effects by John Carl Buechler. I, I'm not sure I'm saying his name right, Buechler. But, um, oops, wire just hit the mic. You probably heard a little fuzz there. Um, a little bit, yeah. The special effects are phenomenal, but he's a guy who just doesn't know how to direct. And I hate it when they do this in in certain movies where they're like, okay, so we don't have the budget anymore. We need to get a guy who can do the stunts and we'll give him the directorial job. That way we can save some money. Like uh, Universal Soldier The Return is one of the shittiest sequels in history because they got a guy who didn't know how to direct in any way whatsoever. And you see this happen from time to time. Jason vs. Freddy was nearly directed by... um, Oh, crap. Uh, not Chris Wallace. Um, who did the special effects for Child's Play? Oh. Um, Fuck, I can't remember. I have no idea. Um, but it was, it was, well, yeah, it's the same problem. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I'll look it up. Go ahead. Okay, well, it's the, same problem, <laughs> it's the same problem with people like um, Zack Snyder, who's an incredibly efficient and amazing action film director. Uh, like, he really knows how to block and stage the characters, but when it comes to actually, like, directing human moments he's really bad at it and that's the same thing with um the walking dead and i think why that show is kind of getting worse and worse it's because they're giving a lot of directorial control over to greg nicotero who's not really a director he's just really good at special effects so in his episodes when there's gore it's always fantastic but if he's directing the episode without it it's always terrible 
It's um, taking it away from Frank Darabont is probably the worst thing they ever did to that series. Um, but yeah, the the ending of that of that movie when she uses her mind powers to kill Jason, uh, that's all fantastic and worth watching. But uh, I would probably skip this one. Uh, I can't find. I can't remember who was supposed to direct Jason first and Friday. It doesn't matter. But um, yeah, the seven uh, is, in my opinion, the last great moment until uh, we go to space. Because uh, I think the next two are pretty rough, even though I know people are fans of them. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan is uh, one quarter great movie, and that's the last quarter. <laughs> the first three quarters are so fucking boring, and, and I just, it's such a wasted opportunity. Actually, I disagree, because I think the eighth one is one of the best ones. And the reason is just a change in the overall tone of the movie. So, for instance, every other movie until then has been centered around Crystal Lake, pretty much. The idea is that people who fuck around in Crystal Lake get killed by Jason... We've seen it so many times, but this is actually an instance where people can't escape. So now it becomes more tense when people are walking around because he can be anywhere and you can't. And since he is on that boat, there's nowhere to go to. So I, I think it adds this level of intensity that the other movies don't have. Well, I, I think the kills are uncreative. Um, the cast is, you know, the same kind of bland every day. Uh, you know, it's nothing different than most of the movies. Um, but what bothers me, and this is a logistical reason, and there's no way in hell anybody's going to afford to rent out that damn boat. That is a huge ship to like it was, 20 it was, people, yeah. 20 people at most. <laughs> they couldn't afford to charter that damn thing. Yeah, that, well, yeah, it was like a high school uh, party or something Unless like that. Unless it's the, the smallest school high school in history, there's no way, there's no budget for this. I know, I, when I, my graduating high school, we just like, bait. Our school just rented out like a gym for a night. It, wow! It, it was it was it was okay. They had some they had some neat stuff, but I mean this wasn't a a fantastic cruise to New York. No, we went to a uh, amusement park uh, called Cedar Point, and uh, my graduating class, which I think was like a hundred and ninety something like that. I think only maybe thirty of us went. It was it was just like one or two buses, and uh, <laughs> well, I guess about sixty. But, you know, that's the most. You know, we got a bus and we drove for four hours to get to the amusement park. Yeah, so there's no way this is believable. But uh, I like Jason in a new context of being in a city. I think it's pretty funny. And they should have just made the whole movie that. Yeah, I the, wish the, the budget was actually Because even the New York part, I think, what, you got like four days of actual New York shooting. The rest is Vancouver. Yeah. And it would have been great because, I, I, you know, I love the stuff when he's interacting with people in the city. Like, he kicks over the boom boxes. is absolutely hysterical. And when he punches that dude's head off. <laughs> that was great. Uh, That's one of my favorite ones. fantastic. Yeah. Why know that so they were... Stuff like that was great. And they... they were planning on doing Terror in Times Square, uh, another follow-up to that. But this is the year that horror movies fell apart. In 1989, the Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers series all topped out around $14, $15 million because it was the summer of the huge blockbuster sequel. And they just got buried. So, you know, they wanted to do Terror in Times Square, but it just didn't happen. And I was hoping that we could have a whole movie set there. Though the ending is weird. When he's down in the sewers and he's hit by the toxic waste and for a brief moment he turns back into his, like, child form? Is that just, an, like, a memory of his? Because there's no way he actually transformed into that child again. No, that actually, they continue that into the other into the other movie, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, actually. The, it's just like this weird thing where he just has this he basically reverts to being a child so they kind of like physically show it but he's not actually the child you know yeah but that was in the dream world though this is in reality at the end of eight he's in our world that's true yeah i don't know i guess i can't explain it uh so that was that was kind of a, a stop being point for all those horror franchises and then we'd wait four more years paramount decided they no longer wanted uh the franchise they were always kind of embarrassed by it anyway but uh, they sold it to New Line Cinema, who were like kings of the genre film at that time. And uh, lower budget, still in Canada. And this one's weird because it takes more of uh, the plot from The Hidden. You, you've seen The Hidden, correct? Uh, I don't think I've seen The Hidden. Uh, the Hidden is a movie with Kyle MacLachlan and Michael Nori. It's from the director of Freddy Part 2. And um, oh, wait, is this the one where people go crazy and start killing people? They do. It, it, there's a, it's because there's a, like a parasite, outer space creature inside of them. And it climbs yes, uh, from body to body, but through their mouth. All right, yeah, I've seen about half of that movie. And, and that, it's hard to ignore the fact that that's a New Line Cinema film that was just a few years prior. Same kind of thing where, in this one, they have the idea that Jason is this 
evil parasite, or there's an evil parasite in Jason, and it leaps from body to body. Yeah, and New Line Cinema also did uh, the Freddy movies, which is pretty obvious at the end of this movie because they employ a lot of uh, fantasy uh, type of thing, like the, the the sacrificial knife or whatever to kill Jason. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, the ending where it's like the space creature that's totally from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Five, I think. Yeah, it's the the movie. I think is half-assed in my opinion, uh, and the lead is from the Friday the Thirteenth TV series. He's an okay lead, but it's it's still not in the right direction. A lot of these people they cast in this franchise are really really bland. There's nothing special or interesting. Even if they're even if they're a bad actor, there's nothing interesting about what they're doing. Whereas like Crispin Glover is probably the pinnacle of like holy shit, I can't believe they got this guy in this film, and he's like on a whole different planet than everybody else in the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I actually did like the lead. I think he's probably one of the more memorable than some of the other ones. Uh, probably just because he's a lot more engaged in the story, and sometimes his acting can actually be pretty good. And he's actually um, an adult, where it, most of these franchi- uh, franchise entries are focused on kids. Yeah, uh, so I, I think there was some interesting stuff they could have did with it. They definitely tried to add some layers to his character with, you know, like he, his girlfriend was had a, had a baby or something like that, but he was out of town or they broke up. It seems like they were trying to do something with that and then just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't that the that uh, the parasite's trying to get into someone in his bloodline, right? I don't remember. I, I, I don't know why it, it would want to. It goes down into the basement, apparently where his sister was buried or something stupid like that, and it, it, it morphs the body into Jason, which makes no sense. I have no understanding of how that works. But, yeah, I remember watching this at a drive-in. It was a double feature with Hard Target, and uh, don't go see this kind of movie at the drive-in because you can't tell what the hell's going on. It's kept going, what? What? I, no, I can't see anything. I don't know what's worse, though, because I've also seen Hard Target. I don't know, I don't know which one I would rather see. I love Hard Target, even though it's completely ridiculous. Oh. Um, of course, I'm a lot younger, so at the time, you know, my age group was crazy about all these John Woo movies. So it just seemed like, you know, and Van Damme. So it just seemed like, like it was a perfect matchup. And I got to tell you, it's, it's a good candy film. Lots of shit happens, even though none of it makes any sense. If you take this slow-mo out of Hard Target, it's 12 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's the thing about John Woo is like when he came to the U.S., I don't know what happened, but like the quality of his movies just took a huge dip. Yeah. It, I, it, I, think, I think that Hard Target is probably his worst, but like Broken Arrow was pretty bad, and I, I, I absolutely hate Face Off. You do? You know, I, I at the time, I thought it was the most amazing. I think most of us thought it was the most amazing thing at the time. That was 20 years ago. Oh, I kind of look at, at the now, time. At and the it time, is, yeah. It is some seriously chewing the scenery, campy, over-the-top. Same thing for Broken Arrow. The problem with Broken Arrow is not Christopher, um, uh, uh, shit, Christian Slater. It is John Travolta. That dude is chewing every single piece of the movie. Yeah, and... Uh, before we go off too much on a tangent, yeah, let's, let's try, I'll try to wrap up a John Woo. We, maybe we could do a John Woo retrospective for whatever we reason. We could. It's been a while since he made an American movie. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, I saw the drive-in. I couldn't tell what was going on for most of the film. Um, but the nice part is they left it open. You know, it took forever and a day. It took, a, what, a decade to get to Jason versus Freddy. But right before that... They gave us one more entry into the Jason series. One of my favorite entries uh, is Jason X. Uh, the throwing the horror character into space was kind of a tired twist at that time. I think they were a little late for it, but of all of those, it's the best. It's There's a, a phrase that says space is where franchises go to die, but <laughs> and the Freddy series is pretty much a, the example that most people use, but... Yeah, I, I actually love this one. And the stupid thing is, they opened it up against Scorpion King, which they knew, they had to have known they were cannibalizing their own audience because WWF fans and horror fans tend to be in line. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of fun. There's there's crazy special effects. There's all these new ideas that have never been presented before. But my favorite is a callback to one of the most memorable death scenes in the entire series, Part 7, in the sleeping bag, slamming against the tree. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I, I love that. I also love the fact that Jason cut off somebody's arm even when he's dead. was was hilarious. You know, like his, his frozen body is found. And oh, right, yeah. Tips over for whatever reason. That's the guy's arm off. I, I, that kind of stuff is hilarious. I love the, the sci-fi tech. is pretty interesting. 
nanobots. Uh, I love the fact that he, yeah, I love the fact that he comes back to life and then starts killing people, and then half, and then in halfway through the movie, he gets killed again. But his body is blown onto a uh, a healing pad or whatever, and he just becomes uh, stronger and more badass. And the new mask is awesome. I love that mask. I yeah, me too. That that was actually uh, something that I saw when I was a kid. Uh, I saw the VHS tape, and it was just like the close up of his mask with the knife. And um, I I for whatever when I was a kid, I was scared of it. I was like, I'm gonna watch this someday when I'm old enough. Yeah, it's it's a sad. Uh thing that the movie is pretty much ignored upon release and the weird part is it sat on the shelf for over a year it was never planned to be released uh, in late or what early 2002 but all of the budget all the people they had on their team at new line cinema were busy working on the lord of the rings trilogy and they just had to let jason sit there until they had time and money to put into it so it just kind of rotted for a while well yeah uh, I guess it's, that's that's about it for the Jason series. I know that there was a uh, reboot a little while ago. I was not a huge fan, um, but you were. I so am. You I, talk I, about it a little bit. I really enjoy the fact that if you're in one way, I don't like the fact that they just basically took the first three movies and condensed it into one. But it also takes out the fact that you have to deal with the mother, which I think is some people are huge fans of the first entry and they think she's a great villain. I was just like, this is some cheesy ass acting. And I could do without it. So it's they, they made Jason fast again, or faster. He's more of the savage uh, Jason, which is the most terrifying version of him. I don't like the Frankenstein version so much, but I like the one that can survive in the wild, and he had all these skills. There's some stuff that's really annoying. You know the dude that was really, really high and perverted and stuff like that, and they kill him off? I was like, could he be in, like, I don't know, 90% less of his role? Because I can't stand him. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. In that sense, it's sort of a return to form of having the disposable characters you hate and yeah. want to die. Uh, I think and that's, that's probably why I wasn't a big fan. That's the closest I've seen to porn in a mainstream film. That is just nuts. They haven't seen a uh, Nymphomaniac then. What is it? That shit, boy. Have you seen Nymphomaniac Part One and Two? No, I have not. That's that's about as porn as it gets. It's it will it shows penis and vagina. It's wow. full penetration. Okay. What? What? Oh, really? That's okay. Yeah, same same thing with Antichrist. The same director, I guess he's just really perverted. Um, Lars von Trier. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those aren't studio films, though, aren't they? Those are independent, like foreign films that are just those brought are, to them. Yeah, those are independent foreign. Okay. But that's and if you're looking for a movie that has porn in it, that's about as good as it gets. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's the end of our discussion on the Friday the Thirteenth series. Our Christmas special will do Krampus and Elves. Is that the two we want to go with? That definitely, yeah. All right, and then um, we might take a break. I don't know. I don't want to get in the way of your school, um, but otherwise, we're not sure what we're going to do for the next year. I want to do something outside the horror genre. We've been kind of heavy on that lately. Maybe some shitty ninja movies or some post-apocalyptic or something like that. Okay, yeah, because there's this ninja movie I loved as a kid. I think it's called Three Ninjas. Oh. Where it's just like little kids, like eight years old, uh, like kicking some ninja ass. I gotta watch that again. I think we did that one. I know I did Surf Ninjas. I gotta look that shit up. We might have already done Three Ninjas, but um, there is a franchise that some people in my age group love. I, I was a huge fan, even though I know as an adult they're shit. They're fun shit, though. It's uh, the American Ninja franchise. Have you ever seen any of these? I don't think I have, but I have seen some of the scenes in them, though. They're from Canon Pictures, King of the Drive-In Film, you know, the Grindhouse kind of world. Uh, you know, we're talking like million dollar budgets, but whatever they're doing with the money, it's all action. And it's very comic book like at the same time, pretty gory. Uh, but that's something I'd like to attack somewhere. And of course I love the Mad Max style films, Italian movies. Um, I don't know if you're ever interested in any of those. Yeah, I definitely haven't really seen any of the zombie series. So I'd like to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. There is one called burial ground, which is the most insane, terribly wonderful film made from Italy right after uh, Dawn of the Dead was such a huge hit there. Cool. Okay, so that's it for us here at Trash Cinema. Uh, anything else you want to say before we go? No, I guess that's it. Uh, you know, if you love you know, campy horror movies, you can't beat Friday the 13th. I would just skip parts like 2, 3, 5, and 7 pretty much. I would say all of them except watch the last quarter of part 8. And uh, even as bad as it is, uh, Jason Goes to Hell has some few interesting qualities about it. But if you're going to skip one, I would say skip that. 
right. Oh my God, I can't believe we. It's it's like the day after Thanksgiving or two days after Thanksgiving. We didn't talk about Thanksgiving, where the turkey goes crazy and kills people. Uh, shit. Uh, next year, I guess. I guess. Or maybe yeah. we can just do like a we can do like a quick one in a no, few no, weeks. No, or no, no, no. It's it's past Thanksgiving. It's too late. Next year, people. Alright, next year. What's the one where the there's the evil bomb, right? That that'd be a fun series or Ginger Dead Man. Oh, Ginger Snaps, dude. Oh, Ginger Snaps is awesome. That'd be a great. That's kind of grindhouse oh, drive-in. I feel like we did we did the third one. What was it? Saturday Night Cleaver. That one is awesome. Is that what the third Ginger? Wait, what are you talking about? Ginger Ginger Snaps is about the girl werewolves. Ginger Dead Man is about the little gingerbread man by Gary. You know, he's voiced by Gary Busey. Comes back from the dead. Oh, uh, yeah, I think we're switching franchises. Yeah, we are. Ginger Snaps is amazing, okay. though. That's a trilogy where it's, uh, it's a Canadian-made uh, series about two girls that uh, basically turn into werewolves. And uh, it's, it's amazing for such a tiny film. And uh, it sounds kind of like The Howling. Maybe we should check that out, too. Oh, yeah, The Howling. We, we discussed The Howling a few years ago, but I will always discuss The Howling every single entry. I am fascinated by how terrible and wonderful that series is at the same time. All right, well, we got our work cut out for us. All right, everybody. So I'm going to end it with the Alice Cooper song. Actually, it's a cover of the Alice Cooper song. I found these guys on YouTube. Uh, Anthony Vincent is this guitarist who just does uh, revved-up versions of songs that we already know. Excellent covers. It's on YouTube. Check them out. Here we go. He's back, the man behind the mask. (laughs) 